When looking beyond high school, some Utah students face low expectations, a shortfall in post-secondary readiness, a lack of knowledge around post-secondary options, and financial challenges. A new report, Broadening Horizons, Clearing an Early Path to Post-Secondary Success, not only explores these challenges, but also seeks to reveal the network of supports that can help to smooth the transition out of high school, broadening the educational horizons of Utah youth. You'll hear all about that in this edition of Utah Thrives, the Utah Foundation podcast. I'm Peter Reichardt. joined today by Utah Foundation Vice President and Research Director, Sean Teigen. Sean is the principal author of the Broadening Horizons Report. How are you today, Sean? Doing great, Peter. How are you doing? Good. Let's get right to it. Why is post-secondary education so important? I mean, clearly this is some kind of a dividing line in our society between those who have some kind of post-secondary education and those who do not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, in so many ways, post-secondary education makes a difference uh, between a really a, a really great, rich, productive life and just struggling. Like, and not only financially, but in terms of health outcomes, and really importantly, in terms of kind of the intergenerational outcomes, in terms of the children going growing up in those uh, households and and kind of seeing how they're doing in their quality of life into the future. Now, when we say post-secondary education, people typically think of a four-year degree or more, but we're defining it a bit more broadly than that. Yeah, we're, we're looking um, more than just a four-year degree because, you know, people have different interests and we want to make sure that people, we, as in kind of the uh, people that are interested in this issue, want to make sure that people are are getting out of high school and into the programs that fit best with their personalities and with their interests. And so it might be a four-year degree, it might be a two-year certificate or certification somewhere, or you know, a two-year associate's degree. It could be a, a shorter term certificate or certification. And the key is that these are high quality certifications and certificates that really do show that they have a, an uplifting of a person uh, when you receive these things in terms of not only uh, financial outcomes, but in terms of you know quality of life and happiness with their careers. And that's something that we're going to get into in depth in a future report, focusing just on these alternatives to four-year degrees. The title of this new report is called Broadening Horizons. That implies that we are broadening the horizons of young people beyond a high school degree or a high school diploma to something more than that along the lines of what you were just talking about. What's the first step? How do we begin to broaden the horizons of young people? There are four kind of key steps that we look at in this paper and that we kind of frame the uh, the, the outlook of this paper on. And that, that first one, I think, is it really begins typically at an early age in people's homes in terms of expectations and in their communities in terms of like looking outside of their own homes, maybe their, their extended families, friends, and other community members that are, that are within the community. So it's really making sure that, that kids are really expecting to do something 
uh, after, well, well, first graduating from from high school, but then expecting to do something after that, and and not just saying, ah, you know, we'll see what happens, but have a clear goal in mind so that they can get out of high school and hit the ground running and start their careers. Now, this this beginning at home also implies introducing children to some basics of education. You know, one of the things that we looked at in a recent report in our social capital series was a precipitous decline in Utah in parents reading to young children at home. Now, that picked up, interestingly, with the pandemic. But prior to the pandemic, we were seeing this very rapid decline in parents reading to their children. Talk about that early attainment aspect. People often talk about third grade. If you haven't done X by third grade, then what? Then you're you're behind the curve or something. There's an old axiom that, that if you're learning to read until third grade and then you're reading to learn. And there's a lot of research that's gone into that. And so you know what? That's actually quite true for most people. If if you're not reading well by a third grade, if you're not really on track by fourth grade, then you're going to start getting behind because you're, you are at that point reading to learn about a lot of stuff, including, you know, social studies, like history stuff. You're learning, um, you're, you're reading to learn about math. You're learning uh, in a whole host of different ways where at the beginning, you're just kind of like, you know, learning your letters and, and that sort of thing. That's, that's a big deal. There's a similar thing with, with math, where if you don't have the fundamentals, if you're not on track, with the fundamentals in terms of math uh, by about eighth grade, then you're going to have a really hard time catching up. And and not only in college, but in high school, but also in college or or even you know some technical uh, certifications after high school. Okay, so a little while ago you were talking about expectations that you know there are expectations that you get at home, expectations in the wider community that. Yes, you will go beyond that high school diploma to get some kind of post-secondary education. How can our schools engage the kids in raising their expectations? What are some of the things that they can do to uh, bridge the the gaps in expectations and therefore attainment? One big important piece of this whole thing in terms of making sure that kids have uh, those expectations are, are counselors. And and the and the teachers themselves to so make sure that if you're not maybe getting some of that um, expectational uh, future um, from home or even maybe from your from your family, maybe you can still uh, uh, get some of that from your teachers, uh, from counselors at an early age, and from organizations that are out there in the community trying to. Uh, trying to help broaden those horizons for kids to kind of help them uh, with some of these, uh, these, uh, you know, uh, different opportunities for the future. You mentioned school counselors. That was something we looked at specifically. What does the school counselor picture look like in Utah? It's, it's, well, it's not great. I mean, it's not great, but hopefully it's getting better. Uh, when you look at the American Counselors Association, they, they suggest from, from various research that we should have a ratio of one counselor for every 250 students approximately, which seems kind of like not enough, honestly. <laughs> like it seems like 
one person managing 250 people, uh, it, 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 it seems like a, a heavy lift, particularly if you've got, you know, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those kids that maybe don't have that expectation for, for even necessarily completing, you know, high school and, and, and then certainly moving on beyond that. So, uh, that's what they would like to see, though. In Utah, we are nowhere near it. We're more than double uh, that ratio. Um, but the Utah legislature has gotten together and they put some money together and some programs that are that are hopefully uh, going to be moving the needle a little bit, and we can we can lower that ratio closer to that one to two hundred and fifty mark. Uh, that the counselors association uh, would like to see, and you know, so it's not that that counselors are just taking care of things when they've gone bad, putting out fires, but when they can actually do some building with these kids and help them really move on beyond high school. So you say we're we're more than double the two hundred fifty to one ratio, which means we have one counselor for every five hundred plus students in Utah. What if we just were able to get to the national average? Where would that bring us to? Uh, the national average is a little over 400 to one. So we're, oh, we're okay. a long ways. Our counselors here have, you know, somewhere between 100 and 150 more kids uh, per counselor uh, than the national average. And the national average isn't that great either. You know, what, one of the things that struck me in the report was kind of old fashioned ideas creeping in of what you do to, to increase attainment. We talk about things like providing challenging curricula, creating a college prep environment for all students, promoting critical thinking skills, and emphasizing student engagement. A lot of those things seem like, well, shouldn't we just have been doing all that all along? I think that we are doing that to a certain extent, but there's also, we've kind of created this environment in a lot of ways where we're pushing uh, students to do well on tests, on standardized tests. The ACT, which is, you know, all, all kids in Utah take the ACT, they suggest don't teach to the test. That That's not going to help ultimately because what they're trying to gain a little bit is, is an understanding of, of how well kids are doing in terms of their critical thinking skills. And if you're teaching to the test, you're not really reaching those kind of critical thinking skill, uh, that, that level of education. Now, here's another really interesting finding in the report. So we talk about the fact that students, and this is nationally, students who fill out federal student loan and grant applications are far more likely to continue their education past high school than those who do not. Now, to some extent, this suggests that students who fill these out are already making plans beyond high school, but to some extent, it suggests maybe there is a um, psychological impact to doing this, or maybe there's a financial impact to doing this. Talk about that. I think that that psychological impact is is certainly there. Uh, that that's an important uh, part of of this. It, it, there there are studies that look to show that if you have just saved a little bit of money, so this is not the FAFSA that 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 form, but just saving a little bit of money when you're younger, uh, you're even if it's under five hundred dollars, you're still four times more likely to enroll in college when you're done with high school. Four times more likely with 500 bucks. $500 won't even get you books uh, for a semester, right? I mean, it, it's kind of amazing that, that's, that that little psychological nudge that kind of helps set that expectation. It's correlated with that. It, you know, 
uh, that expectation might have already been there. And that's why there's, you know, $250 in savings somewhere. But just having a little bit of money maybe gives you the little bit of nudgy that you need. The FAFSA is another thing. The FAFSA is the free application for federal student aid. That, on, that not only opens up the opportunity for federal student aid, but it also opens up the opportunity for state aid. And the big concern here is in Utah, we are 50th in the nation for filling out the FAFSA. So what the heck is going on? We're leaving incredible amount of money on the table that we've already paid in taxes to the federal government that we could be using that we could be using for post-secondary achievement. Um, we're not filling out the FAFSA, so it doesn't open up that funding. So the the real uh, concern here is that if we're 50th, that means you know if it's a if it's only a psychological nudge or if it's a financial uh, nudge as well, which certainly it would be, uh, we're we're not seeing people go to school that might otherwise be going to school and succeeding uh, in the mm -hmm. state. Um, but there are some there are some glimmers of hope here. You know the the Utah system of higher education is spending a lot of their time and they're kind of retrenching in terms of figuring out what was most important and they feel those FAFSA uh, applications and like having FAFSA uh, nights so that people can come together, uh, fill out this form and kind of get ready along with, uh, you know, filling out uh, applications for college. Um, they're, they're focusing on that and finding that, that they're having some success there in terms of reaching out to kids and having kids actually fill out those forms and, and apply to college. So some, we're, we're focusing, we're kind of heading in the right direction. Um, in addition, you know, the FAFSA has uh, really been improved, if you want to look at it that way, at the federal government as well. It used to be a pretty heavy lift in, in terms of filling that out. Filling out that FAFSA, it's a, it's a lot easier, which is opening up potentially more funding from the federal government and state, uh, and state organizations and, and institutions in, in terms of helping people get into college. Okay. It seems to me that, you know, if you're assigning term papers and, and homework, maybe, uh, you know, you might want to work in for homework, a really important assignment would be go, go home and fill out your FAFSA tonight. You could get a hundred in my class if you turn it in. We've got finance classes for like kids, personal finance classes that are actually right. required class for kids. It's, it's not yeah. a bad idea. Some states have gone so far as to say, you know what, you need to do this in order to graduate. We know how important it is. We need to provide the the, the incentive to get you to graduate and, and we're going to require that. That's something that, that's been kicked around a little bit um, in Utah, but hasn't really been fully pursued. It seems like talking in this vein that just providing good information. I mean, Sean, you and I once upon a time, a long time ago, both went through this and it was before the age of the internet. So you could argue that it was maybe more difficult in some ways for us to know what was going on. Um, but at the same time, it seems like if we could just get information into kids' hands so they could make good decisions about their future education, that would be critical as well. And that's part of that framework that we put this report into is that knowledge piece. And that knowledge is both about things like finances, like FAFSA and a little bit of savings, but also knowledge about kind of what the opportunities are in, in terms of a post-secondary world, like getting getting kids out to see what kind of, of careers there are uh, from uh, an early age. You know, you, you have maybe you're, I don't know if, if schools are still doing this, but I know when I was young, 
uh, we had our parents come to, uh, to come to school and talk to the kids about what the, what the, our parents' uh, careers were. And, and having that sort of, uh, of, of opportunity, I think, is, is pretty important just so people know what there is to do out there after, uh, after high school. And it's not just being a TikTok star or having a YouTube channel. You know, I ended up going where I went as an undergraduate because an admissions person at the university happened to know me and said, he invited me to his office and said, hey, look at this money you're getting to come here. That sort of goes back, I think, to the role of the guidance counselor, um, but also just the ability to let kids know very clearly because they're, they're, by virtue of being young, not very much life experience. And so just putting information in front of them and sometimes more than once, I know I didn't always absorb things the first time when I was a high schooler, seems critical. And I think it, it seems particularly critical for those kids that maybe don't have the social capital uh, that, that maybe some of their peers have. Um, and, and that's really key in terms of those expectations and, uh, and maybe to a lesser extent, the readiness piece, but in terms of knowledge and financial resources, if you don't have that social capital, uh, you maybe need a little bit of a leg up. And, and that's one of the things we do in this report. We talk not only about counselors, but we talk about a whole network of programs out there, over, over 20 programs that pr help provide some of those readiness assistance kind of uh, pieces. They provide some of that knowledge and they provide some of the access to the financial piece that, that a lot of people are gonna need uh, when they're, when they're uh, looking at their post-secondary kind of options. Well, there's a lot of work still to be done on this front, a lot of good information in this report, and we certainly hope that people will explore it in depth. Sean, thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much. And for kids out there, if there's any kids listening, like Keys to Success, it's an easy app to jump onto, um, but there's also a lot of other programs we've talked about in this report. Uh, uh, take a look at them. I, I think it's a, a pretty good uh, uh, benefit in, in terms of knowledge of what is out there and available for us. This has been Utah Thrives, the Utah Foundation podcast. Follow our work at utahfoundation.org.